You are listening to episode 67 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody, here at the Game Deflators podcast. This week, we like to talk about board games we've recently picked up, tabletop games we're currently playing, and everything we love about D Deflation. And deflation. You know, actually, it's not too far off from our standard intro of games we've recently picked up and games we're currently playing. Exactly. That's what I was going for there, John. The people will get it. People will get it. All right. So uh, recent pickups. Uh, we can actually do this for once on a non-video game basis. What'd you get in the non-video game realm recently, John? So in the non-video game realm, I actually picked up the source book of Eberron Rising from the Last War. So haven't read it yet, but it's one of those, you know, D&D books that they come out with every quarter, pretty much. And uh, I need to read through it. So I got to check that out. Also picked up, uh, what was the other game? House of Dagger or Daggers, which is one of those like make your own adventure type games. You wrote House of Danger. Is it House of Danger? Well, it's House of Danger or House of Daggers. One of the two. I can't remember. Uh, regardless, it is a make your own adventure. I've played these in the past. Uh, we actually did one. Uh, my wife and, uh, you know, Joel uh, came over and his girlfriend and we played one of those, I forget which one is like a space one, and you pretty much can play one player or like anywhere up to like 12 players, and you just have different cards that you read, and the players, you know, in the overall table get to decide where you go as a choose your own adventure. Cool. So that's pretty cool. Uh, kind of tabletop. I also picked up uh, Code Names and Unstable Unicorns Not Safe for Work Edition. And I have plans to pick up uh, the Critical Role team is actually going to be releasing a source book for D&D. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it pretty much makes their whole world canon in 5e. So that's going to be pretty it's sick. The, it's not the Taldore campaign guide. That's the one they already no, came out like with No, it's like a legit, like, with wizards. Yeah. They're releasing, like, a yeah. canon story to expand that world and put it into D&D. Yeah, yeah. I saw a bunch of that stuff on the D&D comes... Beyond YouTube channel recently. Yeah, I think it comes out in April, if I'm correct. They have pre-orders open now. I'm really hoping that they have a special edition cover but I haven't seen anything of that nature yet. So if there is a special edition cover, I'll likely get that. If not, I'll just pre-order a standard book on Amazon. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you know, Codenames is a game we really should play. I've really been wanting to play Codenames for a while. The folks over at MCDM, they stream Codenames every so often, and it looks like a ton of fun. Like, it's, it's a game that'd be right up my alley. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. We played it with a group of probably eight to ten people at one point and it was just like a lot of yelling and a lot of trying to figure out like what different pieces were or different words mm -hmm. uh you know that were obviously coded um and yeah I, I had a lot of fun with it and you know i just got that recently uh picked up for me my wife got as a gift and it was it's pretty cool so we'll i have to bust it out yeah we do have to bust that one out unstable unicorns was a lot of fun as well uh some crazy like with the not safe for work edition you have stuff like um unicorn if a dildo or no, it's a horse of a dildo, so it's like a dildo popped oh, okay. on its head. Yeah, stuff like there's like a prostitute unicorn and just crazy like, you know, boosts and power-ups for your stable of unicorns and uh, backstabbing. And it's really cool. Yeah, it's it's actually a fun game, so I enjoyed that one as well. Have you picked up anything in the realm of non-video games? Uh, No, I have not gotten any new uh, tabletop books or any new tabletop games in quite a while. You haven't picked up anything for your campaigns or anything of that nature? Nope. Wow. I am I'm I so got Actually, uh, for Christmas, I got those potion bottles with the dice. You got them, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Joel yeah. got those. Yeah, those are actually really cool. cool. They're little bottles, and he just filled them with red resin and then put however many D4s for different level potions. 
It was pretty cool. It was yeah. a fun Christmas present. Yeah, that was actually really interesting. And you know, people, homemade presents are often appreciated and work really well to enhance your uh, tabletop gaming experience. Yeah, you can actually shake these bottles and dump them on the table, and that's your potion. It's actually pretty cool. So, all right, let's get into a little bit on our background in D&D. So we haven't well, done something tabletop. like this. Okay, tabletop gaming, which will lead into D&D. And then we'll lead into We D &D. clearly haven't done this before, so this is all new for us. Uh, so, Ryan, I'll let you kind of lead on that one. Uh, your background in tabletop gaming? So, I never really played very many elaborate board games and tabletop games and stuff when I was growing up. I always remember really wanting to get, uh, what was that, Mousetrap? With all like the bits and bobs and pieces that like oh, go yeah. down and you try to catch the mouse. I remember that. I always thought that looked like a ton of fun. And the little cage and everything yeah, that drops yeah. down. Yeah. But I just, I never really, I was an only child, so I never really had like a lot of board games like around. Like I had like Candyland and Monopoly and that kind of stuff, but that's not really what we're here for. I think the earliest kind of tabletop stuff I got into was Warhammer 40k. I had a group of friends that were really interested in that in like junior high and high school. And so we started buying minis and painting them and building up armies and, you know, getting codexes and rule books. And it was just such a crunchy big game and expensive and expensive. And I don't think we ever really played it the right way, but we had a ton of fun. And I had uh, anybody who doesn't know I'm an art major. So I mostly love just putting together the minis and painting them and, you know, designing my color schemes and all that kind of stuff. So that was always my favorite part. Warhammer's a straight out crazy investment. I remember guys that would come into the, um, the game shop that I was in and they would talk about how they had like 20K invested in Warhammer. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. I mean, I can't really say much because of the games I have, but these guys were just straight out with the paint and all the accessories and all the like there's some crazy yeah. painters like i never got into like all of like the really extreme kind of end of stuff that's a that's an area that i would like to get back to at some point because i like minis and i love i work in 3d so it really it really speaks to me that way but it was just at the time you know it was a little bit financially difficult to get into and then just like the number system of it was just it was a lot at the time, so we kind of just messed around with it a little bit, and then uh, I played a bunch of Magic the Gathering. I played Magic the Gathering, like, probably two or three different, like, blocks of, like, a year or two here or a year or two there. So that all kind of started back in junior high and high school, and then I really didn't do a lot for a long time because I think that probably the first, like, newer game that was like a game you would just get a bunch of people around and play was um probably like apples to apples or something yep college yeah that's about when that came so out. that's kind of i've been slowly worked in you're much more prolific board gamer than i am so you know prolific's a strong word so uh i wouldn't consider it tabletop uh i mean i guess we can but magic the gatherings where i got my start in that well you know what let's go back let's go back to the ages of elementary school middle school so monopoly we would take out knives and spoons and you know go to battle against one another after you know mortgaging properties and you know stealing each other's cash flow so that that's really where my tabletop experience came through you know pissing each other off and the adventures of eight hour campaigns of monopoly and sometimes a week depending how long you want to play oh my gosh uh so 
Too much Fa- Monopoly. Yeah, too much Monopoly. Flash forward. Uh, or fast forward, really, not flash forward. Could be flash forward. Uh, college. Basically got into a lot of Magic the Gathering. I've got a ridiculous collection of cards that my wife just wants me to get rid of, I'm sure. Uh, they take up a lot of space. They do. and Yeah, they do. I think it's like thirty or 40,000 cards I have. Wow, it, you've got way more than I do. It, well, if you have Magic cards, bring them my way. So... Uh, I've, <laughs> yeah, she's in here with us uh, as we're recording and shaking her head uh, during that whole process. So I played a lot of Magic the Gathering in college and kind of into when we moved out here to Arizona. I did some tournaments and such at some of the local shops. I've primarily focused on Legacy, though, because I hated having to keep up with uh, the standard blocks and the extended blocks and all that type of stuff. Uh, when I started, it was pretty much just you know, legacy standard. And I think it was, um, I think it was extended edition is what they had at the time. And extended was like eighth edition on up, I believe for, um, for it. And then you had like legacy was everything, everything outside of like power of nine and some like the crazy cards, which are vintage. So I did a lot of tournaments when I was in, uh, when, where I was living previously. Do you have a black Lotus? No, dude, if I had a black Lotus, it, yeah, I, I don't have a Black Lotus. If I had one, I'd probably use it, like sell it to pick up all the decks I want to use. <laughs> so, no, I don't. I have played against them, though. So Ooh. my first experience in like a tournament setting, we went to this like convention and it was seriously, it was a 24 hour convention. It started at like 6 a.m. on one day and it ended at 6 a.m. the next day. And I actually met coincidentally uh with this discussion lewis zaki who actually made the zaki hedron the hundred sided dice and he's a guy out in kentucky he's a former i think he's a former general in the, or not general former sergeant i believe in the military uh a veteran and he has a dice shop and he makes all the game science dice hmm. so i actually learned about dice from him when i oh, was cool. out at this convention he had a booth and everything he gave me a, my first ever d20 came from lewis and it, you know the sharp sided dice that i use like mm-hmm that's how much it stuck with me like learning about his dice and he was actually one of the first manufacturers for D dice he knew all like all the D guys when they first got it started oh, wow. like he was in that circle you know like that's who he chatted with and he, he told us a lot about that and so imagine getting there at 6 a.m for this convention and you're hearing lewis zaki speak at you know 6 a.m in the morning the next day and just like half asleep like trying to listen to this guy speak about you know D D. It was actually pretty exciting for somebody that had not been involved. And it wouldn't be till like, you know, 15 years later that I actually jumped into it. Uh, but yeah, so the Black Lotus story, to go back to it, there was a little tournament that was occurring at that event. And this guy just like, it wasn't like any particular format. It's just like, oh, we're playing, you know, D&D. The guy busts out four Black Lotuses. Not D&D. Or not D&D, sorry. MTG. Jesus, man. We, too many acronyms. So yeah, he busts out four Black Lotuses on me. Just to show me, like, hey, I've got four Black Lotuses. Wow. And this was before it was in, like, the thousands and thousands of dollars range. And they were definitely, like, um, I think it was Alpha Black Lotuses. So they're pretty pricey now. Yeah. That guy, he got his hands on some good stuff back then. When I was first playing d and or not D&D, Jesus, you Magic the Gathering. <laughs> when I was first playing, uh, I could get my hands on, like... Um, 
some of the the dual land cards were like in a hun- like a hundred bucks or so, sometimes ninety. Now they're like four and five hundred wow. for the same ones. It's in fact I had my hands on some of them, but I had flipped them at that point in time and wishing I didn't. You're you were too entrepreneurial too early, John. Oh my god. Well, I picked up a lot From of now cards. On, all this stuff you pick up, you need to wait ten years to sell any of it. No, no, that's <laughs> not happening, dude. Uh, no, that's definitely not happening. There's far too much. I just. Yeah, there's no way that that won't happen. But yeah, that was my first experience of Magic Or no, you're only allowed to sell stuff that's over 10 years old. We'll say that. That's like almost my whole collection. Well, yeah, I guess that could work. So that was my first experience, like a big tournament experience. And that Magic the Gathering just kind of carried me on um, all the way up until really now. I'll still play it and I still love it. And from a video game. I should make a deck and you should make a deck. I've got pre-made decks. Uh, dude, I have like 20 pre-made decks. No, but I could go home and use my magic cards to make a deck. Oh, we should. Oh, we totally should. You would get owned, but we totally should. Well, I totally would get owned because I've never played a turn. I was never really that good. I'll yeah, say I've, that much. I was never really that good. I've got like turn one and two decks where it's just like... I made somebody throw dead. a chair once well, because I beat them so bad. That's successful. That means you're pretty decent. Yeah, that's actually not bad. Yeah, I make really gimmicky decks that win in like turn one and turn two. I enjoy him. Um, so I guess we can get past the, the card game component, but I did play a lot of games years ago that were kind of D&D related or D&D. Uh, so Neverwinter Nights, I played that on the PC. Oh, video games. Video games, yeah. So oh, yeah, I played... so video game adaptations of D&D. Was that yeah. your, so was that like your first exposure to that D&D? It really was, but the thing is I was so young. I think it was like, what, 10 years old when Neverwinter Nights came out? Mm-hmm. So I was playing uh, some Icewind Dale uh, back then, so I'd picked that up. And it was cool, but I, I was so young I didn't really grasp the idea of like 3.5 D&D and really all the mechanics and the AC and all that. I had no idea what I was doing. You just played it more like a game yeah, than like, a tabletop adaptation. Exactly. I jumped into it thinking, wow, this is really cool. And then you get like certain things done and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This isn't very fun. And then you just like stop. And Neverwinter Nights was very similar like that for me. I was a little older when it happened. My buddy uh, Justin was with me. So we would actually play that one together and he got pretty far in it. Uh, but that's, I think he did a lot more studying up on the game. I really didn't. And it got to a point where I wasn't like super engaged with it. I was just like, all right, cool. Like it's a cool looking game. I feel like there was bored. probably a lot of kids who tried to get into D and D and like, if you could get past that threshold of it being like a really crunchy pen and paper game adapted into a video game instead of just being a fun video game, that's what it was. Yeah, you, there's probably that probably made or breaked. I guess it would be make or break, make or break a lot of young people trying to get into it. Yeah, and it, it truly did break me on that. It wasn't something I wanted to get involved in uh, at that point. And even so, I kick myself so badly on this. I picked up at a flea market all version one D and D books, like just a ton of them, monster manuals, mm-hmm. the original like player's handbook, a bunch of like. Um, nickel minifigures, like oh, metal minifigures. I think you told me this before. I think I did. And it was just like a ton of them, like original notes, like all these really cool things. And I think I, f- like I did flip it. Like I got that and a bunch of Magic the Gathering cards. Mm-hmm. So the guy was like, here, take all this D&D stuff off my hands and you can have all these Magic cards too for like 20 bucks. I was like, all right, so I could sell all this D&D stuff for like 30 and be okay. So I did that. And now when I look back at it, I'm just super Kick pissed. Yourself. 
Yeah, it wasn't like the best of condition. I mean, a couple of them were held on with like duct tape on the binding and well, such. But I mean, just for your own use, it would have been cool. Well, the minis now, like I really wish I had those minis. Like those were really cool minis from like the 80s. And I just, there at the time, those weren't worth anything. D&D wasn't as popular as it is, you know, now. And that was like 10, 12 years ago when that happened. So it's kind of gone to... It it's now a really, whole different ball game oh now. yeah for sure like what was it i think it was still like 4.0 or something back then 10 years ago 3.5 uh, i 4. think it was 0. probably still 3.5 3.5 yeah so i mean it, it wasn't really as popular as it is today and that was really kind of what happened there so yeah that's uh that's my background dude I, that was a lot of background i didn't realize how much i uh had invested in in the whole D and how many times I crossed paths with it, but never actually like jumped into it. Mm-hmm. So uh, really what's your overall experience now that you've been involved in it? Well, so I got started at D like three or four years ago. I think it was now. I think it was three years ago. Um, I started watching, I was watching pro Jared and I think he started doing his D and December or he just showed off some D&D content prior to starting D&D Samber. I don't remember exactly. I tried to go back and look, and I got distracted. But that was kind of the first thing that made me be like, oh, D&D. And then after that, I just started watching tons and tons of stuff online. Like I probably watched like three months of YouTube videos before I ever even, like, downloaded a book to read or bought a starter set or any of that stuff so i picked up uh don forgecast he had tons and tons of stuff i watched probably 100 hours of youtube or something like crazy i'm sure it's so much content out there but he has really good starting guides and stuff so if anybody out there is interested in dnd i would point you that way um i haven't watched his stuff in a while just because i kind of grew beyond needing that extra entry level, but most of the people you watch out there, like anybody who knows D&D probably knows about Critical Role now. Critical Role's huge. Uh, Matt Colville and MCDM, they're really gaining a lot of traction. I mean, there's tons of podcasts out there and loads of streamers and stuff. I know that uh, there's so many groups out there doing stuff, and... I think that it's such a boon when you start to really be involved in, you know, watching people play and watching people who have like guides or, you know, ideas on different methods of playing the game. I think that watching all that stuff really can push you forward because D&D can be a hard thing to learn and a hard thing to like really get into sometimes like to really be like good at D&D, I guess, like in the way that you might idolize some of the people who play online that are really good, well, quote even, unquote. Even so, like a lot of those people that play on Critical Role, they still ask questions well, about like certain things. Well, no, no, not even talking about that. I'm just saying like people that have played for a long time and have really good knowledge of the game that makes the game flow well, you can cheat years of experience by watching that type of content online. And that's kind of what I did. I watched so much content before I even got started that I felt like I had a leg up on the rules going into it. So it felt easy and natural for me to pick it up and get the starter set 
and get my best friends together and be like, come on, guys, we're going to play some D&D. And we've been playing for basically like three years now. That's how I kind of got into D&D, just through YouTube, through other content creators that I liked. You know, I really could kick myself like I wish we had gotten all into this in high school because we were all friends and hanging out all the time then, too. And we would have had so much more time. Well, what about like post that? So what's kind of happened since you started? I mean, you've been playing for like three years, right? So yeah, I've so I've done um, I've done a bunch of different campaigns. Like everybody thinks that, you know, you're going to go in and you're just going to run this one campaign forever. But it didn't really turn out that way. Like I ran the starter set and then I started my own campaign and we had a ton of fun with it. We did like. 17 uh sessions i think of that campaign and everything was going great and then we just kind of hit our first valley where it was like you know life happened and we finally had like a month where we couldn't play or something and the campaign fell apart and then it kind of became a series of that happening over and over again but with me as a player and i played so i tried to write down all the characters that i could remember i played uh human ranger monk and I will never multi-class at before level 8 again because those attribute boosts are too good. You need those attribute boosts and it's not worth multi-classing until you've gotten to level 8 or 12, I think. And then I was... Uh, I played 3.5 for one campaign. And that was totally different experience because I started with 5e. So 3.5 was like, oh my gosh, it's all different there's so much more stuff in here and i played a human rogue in that and that was super fun because i was really able to take advantage of all the different skills and stuff because in 3.5 rogues get tons of skill points and especially if you build it smart you can really get like a lot out of it my first character i ever played was a tiefling paladin the last character i played was a half elf wizard i tried to go on to Don Forgecast's YouTube channel today because I actually played in a two-shot campaign that he ran. So I'm out there somewhere as a goblin fighter in a campaign. So if anybody finds that, that'd be cool. And then uh, I played a human cleric once. So I, I'm trying to play every class at least once before I play another class again, but... Um, in what was it like when did we start playing we started playing god when i was in that house so i was renting a few years ago so i've been here for about a year i was in that house for about three Brad so wasn't back yet no so we actually have been playing for about four years so we started our campaign our our starter campaign with my wife and and mal and uh i think it was in and really that was it just the yeah. three of us and we started that campaign about four years ago. And it was took us four years ago. Yeah. So man. that means that I've been playing D and D for like like five or six. Like, I can't believe it's been that long already. Yeah, it's been about four years. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's super crazy. Yeah. So we played that campaign together, and that yeah, was I ran cool. a campaign for John and a, a bunch of other friends for about like a year and a half or so, and that was. That's the only campaign that I've ever run out of a book. I was running out of the abyss. I was running it 
very trudgingly slowly and painfully and it took forever and they never leveled up or got any cool stuff. It was, I, I viewed it, I got out of the campaign because I started to feel like it wasn't going well and there was nothing I could do to curb that around and I just couldn't get excited about it anymore. And I think it was because of running it out of a book. I know that you just got like the new Eberron setting, but I just, after I guess playing for this long, I find that what I want to do, I just have way different ways than I want to do it than looking through the book really. Yeah, I mean, I can feel you on that. That campaign, I actually had a blast playing. We had a lot of fun playing it. I, we'll get into my experience on that when I well, I I guess I can start talking about my experience now. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that because that, that's good times. Um, so the only reason I started D and D is because of you. So uh, you kind of and coaxed. then it was the worst thing. It was the worst. And I decision. regretted it so much. Oh, he totally did. There are so many things that happened. Uh, my first character. John's being, one of those players that needs a lot of aside one-on-one time in a session because he's doing devious things. Uh, <laughs> we'll go into his devious things because now we we can talk about it and the hilarity that ensued. Um, so the first campaign was that starter campaign, and you TPK'd us which was ridiculous straight out tpk and like our first battle like that was our taste you're like don't worry it gets better than this and we're like you just killed us like what do we do the first group of goblins yeah first group of go- no it was a bugbear like we were going against this crazy bugbear who was oh. just like critting us every oh, damn yeah, turn yeah, yeah yeah so we totally weren't ready for this bugbear battle and i was playing a tiefling paladin at the time at level one and going against a bugbear who easily should have been taking on level two players, I felt. So that was the first taste of it. And uh, we moved on to uh, obviously out of the abyss. We started doing that. And I played a character uh, called Ornstein who legend has it was able to manipulate a red dragon into burning down a city and killing hundreds of people while Ornstein rode on his back, turned invisible and ran out the city. Anybody, spoilers for anybody uh, who's playing in Out of the Abyss or DMs that are going to run it and haven't gotten that far, but I guess you probably don't need a spoiler because you're going to get there anyways. Uh, The Red Dragon in... uh, It was Gracklestog? Gracklestog, yeah. Yeah. With uh, the Dwergar. Don't let a very charismatic character roll all kinds of nat 20s talking to a dragon and then uh, getting it to serve him. So <laughs> that was fantastic. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. So I got into an allegiance of a demon lord. Uh, who was the main demon lord of the campaign. Zuktamoy. Zuktamoy, yeah. And actually, I threw shade at our party because we had a um, was a Discord going on, and I had a little screenshot of Zuktamoy's head as my profile picture, and nobody knew what the hell it was. Mm. It was Zuktamoy the whole time. So I did that. And, yeah, so leading into it, there were so many hilarious moments like within that campaign. Like I was playing an evil character. I think I was lawful evil at the time. And it was it wasn't until after completely burning down that city that I became chaotic evil because uh, it was just everything blowing up like there was no way that I was going to get past not you being chaotic the place. Evil. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So 
uh, they didn't like me. I somehow was able to lie to the head military of that city saying that I was there for them, uh, lied to another group of individuals that we were trying to protect them. Meanwhile, um, I was just like screwing with them. Like we went into that like ravine and all it was like the poor area of that. And I like made like I, I pretty much my character's humor was taking like a piece of food and tossing it in the middle to see them all attack one another when nobody else in our party was looking. So I was rolling the Darrow down yeah. in the Darrow Warrens. So I'm rolling like slate of hands to try and cause chaos. Uh, and like nobody like my character was a badass. He was doing like some crazy cool stuff, but nobody was like catching on it early. Everybody knew that there was something wrong with my character, but didn't truly know until they abandoned me. And well, it wasn't even then. Like I escaped in the middle of the night, found this red dragon, talked to him, said that they were planning on killing him. The city was planning on killing him and replacing him with a new dragon. He gets super pissed. And I somehow was able to not only manipulate the dragon, but also infect the dragon with a spore that would have eventually put him under the control of a demon lord. So I don't think anybody else knew about that until like right now. Uh, so did that, went back to the party. We obviously went through that whole set of tunnels and everything. I, es well, I didn't escape. I ran off pissed off because I couldn't hatch a damn dragon I was trying to hatch. And then, which would have been cool, I would have actually given that to a party member. And uh, made my way back. I was caught, put in prison, and my party was like, screw this guy, we're going to leave him. And I was, of course, able to not only get my way out of prison by turning little with a mushroom and then taking the form of a priest, escaping, making my way back to the dragon, and then manipulating him to destroy everyone for me. And then somehow was able to manipulate him into letting me ride on his back. Like it was, it, it was a series of roles. It Ryan that were was undeniable. Ryan like there was, was so literally excited. nothing I could do to stop him. And the best part about it is, you were so excited when you're like, "I got to look up stats for a dragon." Like I have to do this, and you're like, "There's so many dice." Like you were definitely stoked to oh, play a red dragon. I laid waste to that city with that dragon. It was everything was on fire. It was a fantastic like forty minute session of pure really, destruction. It was a really intense one on one cool moment that nobody else in the campaign was privy to and that part i kind of i kind of regret not doing it more performance in but front they of wouldn't have known but yeah they, they would have known they already left the city yeah and then there's also yeah exactly so they had left the city and there's also my escape so i went invisible and then made my way to a boat to get onto the black lake and you had told me that if I would have gone north on the Black Lake, I would have died. My character would have been dead. But I played the safe route. He hugged the shore and he found a tunnel. Hugged the shore, found a tunnel, found a couple of our, uh, you know, characters uh, or party members that run off earlier in the campaign and made my way back to safety. But the most hilarious part about that whole experience was the reveal of how it even happened. Because you had those uh, Dwegar come in on like spiders and they were just like, you have to come back in. You're you're being put in prison and, you know, for destruction. They're like, what did we do? Like, what happened? And I'm just kind of like sitting in the corner because I'm not part of the campaign at that point in time. There was like a good two or three weeks where I like wasn't playing. And they're like, everybody burned. The whole city was destroyed. And at that moment, everyone just kind of stopped and looked in my general direction. And I couldn't help but laugh. It was quite an experience. So as my wife shakes her head looking at me right now. It was seriously my greatest D&D &D moment of all time. It was awesome. 
It, it was a good moment. I thank you for that. You're uh, welcome. Now, though, outside of playing uh, awesome ears who are fallen and chaotic evil and making packs with demon lords, uh, I'm actually playing a uh, chaotic neutral. I'm playing a chaotic neutral monk, uh, a drunken master in Neverwinter, uh, 325 years old, and uh, he likes to poop on everything. Uh, so <laughs> I've got that going for me, uh, mainly because, you know, he drinks so much, kind of loose going on, you know, there. So uh, I kind of have to play to that that character. And it's been a lot of fun, dude. Monks are super OP. Straight up the most OP characters I've ever played. Monk's really cool. Yeah. So I'm playing that. I'm amassing as much. You can't use this in the campaign, just so you know. Like, you can't use anything I say here. Um, I am amassing. Yeah, I am amassing as much gold as possible to be a drunken master Scrooge McDuck. Oh my gosh. I am I am trying to collect as much as much money as possible. So I actually am like I'm part of this uh God man, it's so funny. So I, I look like a hobo. My character smells like crap. Uh he recently shaved his head and got like some new robes, but he just he looks like a bum. Like everywhere he goes, we're like oh, get out of here, you're trash. And he's like, I'll take a meal for five gold. And they're like, what? Like, just my character is taking that kind of approach. Like, he looks disgusting and, like, repulsive, you know, just repulsive in every single situation he's in. Always, like, is dirty, doesn't wipe himself. Well, if you want himself. to be Scrooge McDuck, dude, you got to get a hat and you got to lose the pants. I will at some point. Well, I can lose the pants easily. That's my character as well. So... Um, yeah, and I've tried flirting with people, but I always have to roll at disadvantage because I smell so bad. Mm. But yeah, I have uh, amassed, I think so far, probably eight or 9,000 gold. So it's not a lot, but I'm getting there. And there's tons of missions that I'm taking as a Zentarum uh, because I somehow got into that. Recently killed a dog killer, uh, got 2,000 gold off that. So I'm taking like pretty much the way my character's working this campaign is... Any, like, mission that comes up, like, oh, well, we need you to kill this person. Well, why do I need to kill this person? Like, what's he done? Okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. So, like, it justifies me killing him. So it's not really, like, I'm going out to kill just to kill. It's more of my character sees that kill as, like, a sense of, you know, it's necessary. Yeah. To kind of stay in that neutral standpoint. Yeah. So I'm not doing any needless killing. Like, if I need to steal something, there was one mission where the lady... Uh, paid for something and it was stolen from her so I would have to steal it back and anything else I found I could get. What's your what's your uh, kind of like overall like main kind of mission? Like what are you guys doing in the campaign? So right now the main campaign it's kind of been like a guild situation so we just went to um, where are the, uh, the, the elf people that are like gray and they uh, the Shadowfell. The Shadowfell, yeah. So we the went Shatterkai. To, yeah, the Shatterkai, which I, I played one of those in Out of the Abyss after Ornstein died. So for a little bit. So we went to the Shadowfell for a mission to stop some zombies, which is where I got a majority of my gold. Um, as the place was collapsing, uh, we went into this old temple for, um, I think it was Shar. We went to this temple, and I rolled a nat 20 on my find, or on my investigation, and... The way it was described to me was this drunken master running out of like this collapsing building, carrying a huge sack with coins flying out of it and like just this massive sack of items. And everybody's just kind of like, 
running as well, like looking at him. And I was rolling like 16s you're like, and 17s. You're like Nate Drake if it showed the bag of all the trinkets you picked up throughout the game. It was ridiculous, man. It was crazy. I picked up so many items and it ended up being about three or 4,000 gold worth of everything, including platinum. Nice. So that was kind of the bulk of that mission. We've gone into one of our party members is a half elf, I believe, or no, a halfling. And we went into her like hometown and the way it's worked out is there's been like this big party that's going on or this big festival. So we went there and it turns out that there's stuff going amok and we're trying to figure out like why there's monsters coming into town and everything else. And like things feel really off right now. So there's something going on there. And really it's it's been like that guild effect, right? Like there's a mission here. We got to go figure that out. Okay, there's a mission here. Uh, the overall campaign, I feel, is it's more of that you know, helping out the city of Neverwinter, uh, kind of in a sense of like Neverwinter Nights. You know, you got the plague, you're trying to help out the plague. Okay, well, now the plague has been cured, but like there's this cult, so you got to go stop this cult. Like it's leading into those directions in a sense. Mm. So that's cool. And the last character I played experience-wise was a um, necrophiliac orc rogue that we played. In. Were you part of that campaign? No. We played a yeah so we played um a campaign it was uh supposed to be a one shot end up taking about four sessions and there was this dragon that uh held this tournament and pretty much like you would get x amount of gold if you outlasted all of his like levels of tricks and such so i played um a character named grodnads the anus destroyer and grodnads was a necrophiliac so anytime there was a kill, well, he had his way. And so Grodnads also had a magic broom. And uh, yeah, so we went through and Grodnads at that point in time got on his magic broom. And the final part of that one shot was we had to battle a dragon. And he was riding a dragon, like holding on for dear life. And his magic broom was broken. So like at any point, Grodnads was dying. So I was like balancing on his dragon and like surfing on it and... It was ridiculous how that all played out. You've ridden two dragons. I have ridden two dragons. and Not many people can say they've ridden dragons in campaigns. I I, I mean, I'm sure some can. Probably uh, for many. better reasons than you have. But probably, yeah. Manipulated one, and one of them I fell on it with a magic broom. Hey, still commendable. Still, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that, that's where we're at. Um, what's next? Currently playing? Yeah, so... Um... I've been running a 5e campaign for my other group now for, gosh, I don't know, probably like six or seven months, I think. And uh, it's going pretty good. It's an interesting campaign. It's not at all like I thought it was going to be because, you know, players do crazy stuff. I learned that a lot from you. So uh, you're welcome. In the beginning of this campaign, my players all got together and they found themselves um uh, kind of following prophecy Ooh. and following uh are you gonna tell the mummy story no oh please tell that mummy story come okay. on well i'll try to get there okay so they um they were able to kill kind of like a, a demigod like this was definitely like a herculean task but they didn't really do it they were responsible for him being killed but they didn't like kill him because they wouldn't have been able to so my characters are do dealing with like a lot of undue glory in their campaign. Like they've been very rewarded and very doted upon and they've proven themselves capable 
of taking on anything that I've thrown at them so far, which really isn't a lot. It hasn't been a very combat-heavy campaign. And I think it's going to start ramping up more, and I need to throw more challenging things, but they've really handily taken care of anything. John wants me to talk about this mummy they killed last week. No, dude, you got to tell it. It's awesome. So they went down into this mummy's tomb, and, uh, you know, the standard, like, kind of upright entombment against the wall. You slide the big heavy slab out of the way. There's a mummy inside. As soon as they got in and they found the first one, they just pushed that thing to the side. They were like, oh, it's a dude. And they took his sword and then just kind of went off. They triggered the trap that brought him and his friends to life. But he was the strongest one of the three of them already down his sword. So they took care of, you know, combat one. They've used some spells up. Good. Combat number two. They go down to the next room. They're like, there's two more of those things on the walls. This time in the corners. A higher DC check because you can't get your hands around it very good to slide it out of the way. Natural 20. Move that out of the way. Behead those ones before they even have a chance to come to life. They finally go down into the basement where the big bad mummy is. And I I wanted to give them my favorite magic item. My favorite magic item to give out to players is the immovable rod. Because you can do all kinds of really cool stuff with it. And I just think it's like it's a pretty cool item to get at any level. And you can make tons of use of it throughout the campaign. So I had an immovable rod on top of this mummy's lid to keep him inside the sarcophagus because he was an old bad mummy and he was meant to stay buried. And they just let the lid come up a tiny bit and dropped a bead of fireball inside and blew his ass up. (laughs) My mummy lord survived the explosion, but like a round or two later was completely killed because fire damage. That is awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I gave them the beat of fireball and I just couldn't see any reason why that wouldn't work. So you got to let the players have it. You know, it's fun to just throw out a challenge and let them figure a way around it. Not really have to have like, uh, I don't know, they'll pull it off somehow. It, it kind of works well that way. And I've kind of adopted some of that from watching Matt Colville's content. So we actually in the campaign we're playing right now. Uh, actually went ahead and took, and I'll let you get back because I know you wanted to discuss that wedding situation. Oh. But uh, we were in a forest and we were setting up for like, um, I think, was it orcs? Or I forget the type of enemy we were facing. Uh, Gremlins or some, I I don't remember. It was some sort of enemy. And we pretty much set it up to where we had a fire in the middle, which was burning flesh from corpses that were attacked earlier in in the week. Um, we went ahead and set up, you know, those pieces of wood with spikes and you yeah. kind of set them as a gate. Yeah. We set up several of those and then we went ahead and laid out, like we hid in the bushes, but we laid out layers of ice throughout the whole thing, um, leading up to the fire. Lots of difficult terrain. Yeah. So basically you had these enemies like blasting through running and it was like right when they hit the ice, they had to go ahead and roll like athletics checks and failed all of them. So they're all being knocked prone and we're just like destroying them. What was supposed to be like a pretty difficult battle we handled without taking a single hit in maybe three or four attempts. And it was really because of the preparation and thinking of what's going to happen here and like what can we do as players to make this like work correctly. We've of course run into several battles where we've almost all died uh, such as our dire troll battle the other day. Uh, But you know, we've made it work. So it's good to see that they went ahead and had that beat of fire and just said, well, there's a little crack here. So let's kind of just pop that in there. Yeah. I love to give my players like little things here and there. That's like, 
it's not a whole necklace of fireballs, but it's at least one bead of fireball. Like that'll be useful at some point in time. Oh, um, I've, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll talk about mine after you finish yours. I've got a story on there that I can tell about the current campaign that just drives me up a wall every time. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell that story and then we'll just we'll end it off with uh, what happened in our last sessions and what we think we're getting to next. Okay, I got lots of stories. Uh, so this one is this, the Neverwinter one, and it was in the very beginning. I think we were level two at this point in time. And our DM gave my wife... You're a monk still, right? I'm a monk still, yeah. So my DM gave my wife a magic wand wrong decision should have never given her a magic wand she's a huge harry potter fan this was a mistake and she rides a giraffe in the campaign like she has a giraffe with a magic saddle that makes him little so she as a halfling can run around hmm. on a giraffe it is so she's got a giraffe and she's in like plate armor and it's the most ridiculous thing she's always failing on her stealth checks so she's always she's making a sight noise. to see oh yeah it's hilarious how it all works out like she's this little tiny cleric that's just like a war cleric i think and she's like busting out uh what's the um the ability uh where you just have like light surrounding you for 10 feet and everybody gets attacked on their turn the ones you designate you know what oh, i'm talking about yeah i don't know okay well regardless it's uh it's like radiant damage um and you pretty much like are surrounded by yeah. and, like on their turn to get attacked yeah i, I forget the name of it uh, but she has little unicorns that oh. are her like sprites that come yeah. up. Uh, her magic weapon is pretty. Her um, the magic weapon that she uses when she summons it. You know the hobby horses that have like a stick in the head. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's one of those, but with a unicorn head. There you go. Like that. There you go. Yeah, and so she's that's like some great character design. Yeah, Do you have a picture of this? Uh, yeah, she's I gotta got, see a picture of this. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I've got my character, but hers is like ridiculous. What she's got going on for with her character. And your two, your two characters are seen in public together. Oh yeah, all the time. It's <laughs> hilarious, and we always question like, why are these people? The together? circus has come to town. So funny enough, though, we end up going into this tunnel or a sewer, really, and we found the Rat King, who was you know basically destroying things in the city and stealing, and uh, we had this. Uh, magic crafter like she turned items into magic items uh said hey i need you to go down there they stole a bunch of my stuff that helps me make my items uh it's worth a lot of gold i'll pay you x amount can you go ahead and help me retrieve it so we get down to the rat king and you know me being a monk i'm like all right i'm just going you know full on in beat the crap out of this rat king because i can and she randomly is just like i'm gonna use my magic wand now i'm gonna use on the rat king and i'm like what are you doing like what's happening she rolls fireball literally blows me up and throws me into a wall halfway across and I'm knocked out for the rest of the match. It was the most ridiculous. And I'm like sitting there doing like death saving throws and she's just having a blast with her magic, her magic wand completely annihilates the rat king. Mind you like he's dead at this point. And those I'm fireballs. Of course, watch out for those. Yeah. So he was like, your character obviously coughs up smoke and he's like singed everywhere. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. So we had that. And funny enough though, it bit her in the ass because she got bit by a were rat and so just recently, she uh, turned into a were-rat and bit her dad in the campaign. Oh, no. So her Pop dad, a were-rat. And then on top of that, one of her best childhood friends happened to be an old cleric. Um, and he just died saving her in the process. So it, you didn't get that in the campaign when Joel said that he fell down and, like, the life had left him? Like, to cure you, he sacrificed himself. At least that's what I interpreted. Leo. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, I have a feeling he sacrificed himself. It sounds like a very important difference. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to it's see. It's literally what life or death, John. 
Yeah, it is life or death. So he hasn't gone into, like, we ended it right there. Like, her dad was in pain and uh, had to roll a constitution check, so we don't know what happened on that. But I poured my 200-proof alcohol out of my endless flask on his wounds. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I mean, Did I it sizzle? No, I don't know Did what it, happened. Like, pop? I was hoping it might have worked. He said he was in extreme pain after that. I bet. Um, but basically, that's... That's where we've been, you know. Wow, just, that's a pretty that's a pretty heavy ending. It is so far. Like we're we gotta wait until I think it's Friday. Yeah, we gotta wait until Friday to see what happens after that whole situation. We went against street sharks. What do you think is gonna happen next? Uh well, I think we're going to come together to figure out what's happening right now, because her character's god is Maliki. So we're trying to figure out like why she can't pray to Maliki or why she can't connect. So there's something going on in their village, so we got to find the source of that. We'll likely go into the woods, I would imagine. Something's going to be coming up with that. Uh, also, uh, I didn't mention this, but just before all that had occurred, we had a, during their festival, there was a fighting tournament. And it was absolutely horrible. So I went against a raging barbarian in my first fight. Uh, wife goes against, uh, I think it was like a little monk halfling. And... Our other friend, uh, Jenny, went against uh, somebody else. And it was just like they were just matching like two points of damage to two points of damage or not hitting each other. Like the, the matches took forever. Uh, my wife actually got caught using an illegal move, which would have been uh, inflict wounds, I think. So she got disqualified. I, of course, almost got destroyed by a raging barbarian. But when I went against the little halfling with a 12 DC, I beat the living hell out of her and completely just like no damage, completely took out this halfling, bloodied up. And I was just consistently rolling like 21s and 22s and hitting it with, you know, my two attacks and then nailing an unarmed strike. It was ridiculous, but it was, it's been fun so far. I mean, a monk in a brawl, that's what you want to be. Oh, for sure, dude. So monk in a brawl, I think with my 18 AC right now, I think we're level seven. Uh, it's been pretty sick so far. Nice. So I'm enjoying it. Your wedding though. You've been wanting, you've been clamoring yeah, so to me I, about talking about this wedding. Yeah, we were, I was waiting uh to do the recording for this episode until after i had a chance to i ran a wedding which was interesting it's not something i thought i would have done was it a red wedding no it was not it's a uh drinking wedding oh yeah in in my campaign i have uh this organization the 508 and it's a drinking club where there's 508 members most of the members just have like a little chip and they're all over the world and you can use that chip at any bar to get a free drink. But anybody, if you use it, anybody can challenge you to a drinking contest. And if they beat you, they get your membership. So the top 52 are a deck of cards instead of being chips because they need some sort of prominence to set them apart. So I went through and I made a list of who all these different members are because one of my players is the three of clubs. So they've been summoned to the capital for the Jack of diamonds wedding. And it was really fun. It was a really interesting way to run a session. Cause it's like a big grandiose party. You know, I got some orchestral music to play in the background, but I had basic descriptions of everybody and a few characters were, you know, had more importance but the fun thing was just having them like, okay, draw five cards. That's who you're sitting with. And they drew like the perfect cards. Uh, one of my players is a, 
big barbarian from the north, like classic Viking, right? And uh, he misses his 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 old love, Helga, from the village and her wide shoulders. And uh, that's very descriptive. Of sure you. enough, they drew uh, the king of clubs. So the same suit that he's in, and the king of clubs is a big burly Goliath woman with a big brown bear animal companion. And one of my other players is a druid uh, warforged who transforms into animals because it's the only time he can have qualia. And so his default is turning into a bear and begging people for food because he can actually eat when he's in bear mode instead of being in robot mode. So, like, they drew that. Bam! Perfect. And then uh, he got into it with the most prominent member of the 508. The aces aren't there. Some say the aces don't even drink anymore. So they don't lose their card. But uh, his drinking contest is going to be against the full house. A tiefling monk who is the only person who has five cards. She has three eights, two sevens. So he, uh, they got into it with her a little bit earlier in, uh, I guess during the reception, they're at the reception, they were eating and everybody's heard, Oh, the glass guard. That's my players. That's what they call themselves after they defeated this like tight that they slew. And, uh, so they came over and they kind of minced words with her a little bit and kind of gave her some flack and, Sure enough, all right, go ahead and draw from the deck to see who you're going to face in this drinking contest. And he drew her. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's, it was a fun, different way. Like, I think that integrating other types of stuff besides just dice can be fun. I've heard of other games that have, like, cards and stuff in them. So that was, like, a fun extra thing to throw in. It was a really interesting way that they just they pulled all the stuff that I wanted them to interact with the most the ones that i had spent the most time working on were the ones that they actually wound up engaging just through random chance so uh we had to end a little bit early so we're going to start off with the drinking contest next time and i know my players won't hear this because they won't listen because they know that they shouldn't be because i'm gonna say that the, we can have them listen to the episode afterwards though. well it was funny when you said your god is uh maliki that's the god of the Jack of Diamonds. He is a paladin who has had visions from his god that kind of led him here to eventually meet them to move on with the next arc of the campaign. So it's funny you mentioned a drinking contest because one of the items I picked up in that temple that fell down was a magic tankard. So now I go into drinking contest with the ability to obviously drink and not have the effects of alcohol and i've recently learned of my god lapyard who is the god of the drink mm. in uh dnd so some good times in dungeons and dragons i do have to say before we end this episode though so what are your thoughts on this if my monk dies my next character is going to be a chaotic good raging barbarian gnome who like carries it. a battle axe and pretty much anytime anybody says anything mean gets angry like says anything mean like it could just be like you're stupid rages because they're just that like good 
Like that's kind of the route I'm going right now. And they're going to follow like some sort of, I got to figure out the God they'll follow, but that's the route I'm going on this particular character. If my monk dies anytime soon, or that'll just be the next character I play in the campaign. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens next time on DND. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, hopefully listeners liked this episode. Very different from what we've done. Yeah. The past. We're just trying to throw out a little bit of different content and see what bites. Yeah. But uh, if you want to check out our old content, uh, go on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, really anywhere you can find a podcast. We're on there. If we're not, let us know we're not, and we'll be on there. Uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On yeah, Twitter, it is... Yeah, tell us about is... some of uh, your D&D experiences. Tell us who, what character you're playing. On Twitter, of course, let us know as uh, at Game Deflators, because they don't like the. And Instagram and Facebook, we are at The Game Deflators. Mm-hmm. So check us out. Find our podcast. Find our backlog. If you like what you hear give us five stars if you don't like what you hear don't give us any stars no nope, still in, give us five as, stars no we'll still give us five stars but don't if you're not going to give us five stars then don't bother giving us any stars at well, all give us five stars and then tell us you don't like us that if you don't too. like us but you have to do the first part first the first part first yeah there's one of the two you either leave no review or you leave five stars and don't like us that, that's how it goes there we go i like it okay well this has been episode 67 of the game deflators podcast my name is john i'm ryan and thanks for listening